Good morning. Welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Tyson Bibb, and a special warm welcome to any guests that may be joining us this day. Please know you're always very welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. And we have now come to Septuagesima, or I'm rather, I'm sorry, that's the beginning of it, Quinquagesima Sunday. This is the last of our short pre-Lent season that we observe every year here, according to the historic one-year lectionary. And as we look at the service uh, in earnest, I'll turn your attention to the back, or rather the inside of the back cover of your bulletin, for the Focused on Christ section, a summary of our readings for today. The seeing are blind, while the one who is blind can see. Jesus tells the twelve that he is going up to Jerusalem to suffer and die and rise again, but they cannot understand or grasp what he is saying. The meaning of his words is hidden from their sight. However, as Jesus makes his way up to Jerusalem, a blind man calls out to him for mercy. This blind man sees that Jesus is the Messiah, the Savior, for he calls him Son of David. Indeed, Jesus is the Lord's anointed, the keeper of sheep, who goes to lay down his life for the sheep. He is the incarnate love of the Father, who suffers long and is kind, who is not puffed up, who never fails us. Jesus opens the eyes of the blind. To see him not according to outward appearances of lowliness, but according to his heart of mercy and compassion. Those who behold him thus by faith follow him to the cross through death into life. Our service this day is divine service setting for as it begins on page 203. We have the great joy of receiving our Lord's body and blood in the sacrament to the altar this day. And so then in accordance with his word, we do ask that all those share in our fellowship and confession of faith which we confess at this altar. Therefore, in order to come forward to the Lord's Supper, we ask that you do either be a member of this congregation or a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, sharing again in this confession of the faith. Again, our service begins on page 203. We now sing the first hymn. O Lord, mercifully hear our prayers, and having set us free from the bonds of our sins, deliver us from every evil. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for Quinquagesima is from Isaiah chapter 35. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong, fear not, behold. Your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters break forth in the wilderness, and streams in the desert. And burning sand shall become a pool, and the thirsty ground springs of water. In the haunt of jackals where they lie down, the grass shall become reeds and rushes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. 
It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 18th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Taking the twelve, Jesus said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise. But they understood none of these things. The saying was hidden from them, and they did not grasp what was said. As he drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And when Jesus stopped, or, and Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him, and when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Recover your sight. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Our sermon text this day is from the Gospel reading, Luke 18, verse 31, where we hear this. And taking the twelve, he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. Well, today, Quinquagesima, it marks the final Sunday in this brief pre-Lent season. These past weeks, we've watched as Jesus did the very things that he spoke of in his parables concerning the kingdom of heaven. Two weeks ago on Septuagesima, we saw Jesus as the owner in the vineyard who was going out, that is, calling laborers into his vineyard, rewarding them not because of how much or how little they worked, but by the measure of his grace alone. Last week was Sexagesima. We saw Jesus going out as the sower of the seed. The Lord spreads his living and active word far and wide, desiring that all would come to the knowledge of the truth, desiring that all would be saved. And although many hear his word and harden their hearts in unbelief, wither away in persecution, or get choked off by the cares and pleasures of life, there still exists a great and bountiful harvest of souls. The word of God always accomplishes the purposes for which he sends it. That is his promise. It will not return empty. 
By the power of his spirit, the word of God works faith in the hearts of those who hear and believe, as is the case with you, dear children of God. Today, we do not hear another parable. Jesus does not go out just anywhere. Instead, we hear that Jesus took the twelve to himself and he said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. That is, it will be fulfilled. It will be completed, just as we hear him proclaim on the cross when he says, It is finished. It was the third time that he told them he was going to die. Jesus gave his disciples a full and graphic description of what lie ahead of him, foretelling what the Son of Man must and will endure for the world's salvation. All that the Old Testament prophets had written concerning the Christ would be fulfilled in Jerusalem. That journey was beginning now. And although he had spoken to them plainly and clearly, we're told that the disciples, they did not understand these things. None of them. The saying was hidden from them. And they did not grasp what was said. Now, of course, the time for understanding would come. However, for now, the disciples, they did not and they could not see. Now, rest assured, their physical eyes, they worked just fine. What they lacked was spiritual sight. They saw Christ as in a mirror dimly. Jesus was more than was Jesus more than an ordinary man, most assuredly. Did they believe he was the Christ? Yes. However, they did not grasp the fullness of what it meant that he was the Christ, the promised Messiah. Jesus' disciples would certainly see everything happen to him, but they would not understand it rightly until we read in Luke 24, 45, when Jesus appears to his disciples on the day of his resurrection. Then, it says, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. See, though the disciples did not yet see Christ clearly, while well, they were about to meet a man who did. St. Luke tells us, It came to pass then, as he, Jesus, drew near to Jericho, that a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. And hearing a crowd going by, he was asking what this meant. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth, quite literally. In other words, he's passing by. And he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What the disciples do not see, the blind man sees. He cried out as we do at the beginning of the divine service, Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. You see, when we pray, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy, we are not asking for another absolution. We've just received the Lord's absolution. The cry of Lord have mercy is a cry of faith. It is the cry of a beggar asking for gifts from a merciful and benevolent king. It is the cry of those in need, seeking the mercy, aid, and compassion of the only one who can give it. Therefore, this blind beggar cries out in faith, seeing and knowing by faith who Jesus really is. He is the promised Son of David. He is the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. St. Luke continues, And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. The people going before and in front of this begging man, well, they're downright devilish and demonic. They tell the man to shut up. This is what the devil attempts with us when it comes to our prayers. The devil tries to make you believe that Jesus does not care, that Jesus does not hear you, or worse yet, that Jesus does not want to hear you. The devil wants you to believe his evil lies, and he does not want you to pray. But that poses a question. Why? Why is he so furious and adamant about this? 
Because the devil's plans and purposes, they are undone by your prayers, dear saints. They're undone by your prayers to Jesus. Prayer is detrimental to the devil's vile schemes. Remember the third petition of the Lord's Prayer and its meaning. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does this mean? The will of God, the good and gracious will of God, is done even without our prayer. But we pray in this petition that it may be done among us also. How is God's will done? God's will is done when he breaks and hinders every evil plan and purpose of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, which do not want us to hallow God's name or or let his kingdom come. And when he strengthens and keeps us firm in his word and faith until we die. This is his good and gracious will. Therefore, dear saints, cry out to the Lord for his mercy, for he delights to shower it upon his repentant children. Spite the devil and cry out for the Lord's mercy, praying that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, when the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh, when these things rebuke you and tell you to be silent, take an example from your brother in the faith that we see today in St. Luke's Gospel. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. For we see the Lord's compassion and goodness in what follows in the account before us. Then having stopped, Jesus commanded him to be brought to him. Then having drawn near to him, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, receive sight. It is an imperative and a healing one. A command. Receive sight. Your faith has saved you. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God. The begging blind man saw Jesus by faith. He saw Jesus for who he truly was and is. The Son of God and Son of Man. This is what faith does. In the face of unbelief and opposition, faith clings to the sure and certain promises of Jesus and ignores everything else. Though this man lacked physical sight, he beheld Jesus by faith and he clung to the promises of his word. Notice also that before Jesus met this man, he had told his disciples of his urgent need to go up to Jerusalem. Despite this, Jesus stops. He pauses to help this man with his physical needs. And in this we see that our gracious Lord, he is never too busy for our prayers. He is always at hand to hear you, his beloved ones. When you cry out to him. Therefore, when you pray, Lord, have mercy. Know that Jesus comes near to you with that very same question. What do you want me to do for you? And he hears you. The Lord who stopped on his way to Jerusalem so that he could inquire of a blind beggar stops before us, poor beggars. And he hears our prayers and our petitions as well. Thanks be to God. As we stand on the edge of Lent, beginning our journey to Jerusalem once again, the prayer of the blind man, it becomes our own. Let me recover my sight, or more bluntly, let me see again. Let me see, Lord Jesus, your cross and passion, your precious death and burial. Let me see again your blood of the covenant shed for me for the forgiveness of my sins. Let me see again, O Lord, that your love is patient and kind and long-suffering. Let me see again how you give up your body for my forgiveness and salvation. See, there is so much to marvel at in this gospel lesson before us. However, when Jesus says your faith has saved you, because that's what it literally says in the Greek, 
The important thing is not that this man's faith made him physically see again. All too soon, his physical eyes will be closed in the sleep of death. The important thing is that his faith saved him in order that his eyes, they will open again on the last day. And behold, the same Lord who stood before him that day in Jericho. This is the faith that we desire. Saving faith that sees Jesus. Faith that clings to him and his sure and certain promises. By his spirit, the Lord gives us such faith by his chosen means, in his word, in his blessed sacraments. In baptism, you were brought forth from darkness to light, which is itself another picture of going from blindness to sight. In his living and active word, the spirit both calls you to faith in Christ and strengthens that faith. In the salutary gift that is the healthful, life-giving gift of the Lord's Supper, Christ feeds us with himself. He draws near to you and he answers your pleas for mercy as you taste and see that the Lord is good. Indeed, his mercy, peace, and forgiveness, these all are yours in his blessed feast of grace. You know, taking one last look at this beggar, we hear that upon receiving his sight, he followed Jesus glorifying God. This is what faith does. He continued in Jesus' procession that led to Jerusalem and ultimately the cross, and fulfilling all that the prophets wrote concerning the Son of Man. And as for glorifying God, well, that's just what beggars do. We stand alongside this man ourselves as fellow forgiven beggars. Our confession is one and the same. This man here, he has done this for me. Jesus Christ, the Son of God and Son of Man, he has healed me. He has saved me. He shed his blood for me and he died for me. This Jesus is risen and ascended for me and he has promised to return for me that I may be with him in paradise eternally. And so, dear saints, you shall. Perhaps the briefest definition of what it means to glorify or to praise God is this. It's just to simply recount what we has done, what he has done. You are the God who does wonders. You have declared your strength among the peoples. You have with your arm redeemed your people, the sons of Jacob and Joseph. So we prayed in the gradual just moments ago. As I mentioned at the outset of the sermon, when Quagesima Sunday, it finds us on the edge of Lent, staring out over a vast valley of what seems to us nothing but violet and black. As with the last two weeks, though, so this last Sunday of pre-Lent, it teaches us not to despair of what lies ahead of us in Lent, but to despair of ourselves and to rely solely on the grace of Jesus Christ, our Savior. We are beggars before a merciful King. Though the Alleluias will soon be gone, the Kyrie never is. Jesus' ears remain constantly open to our cries. We receive our wages according to his desire to give, according to his grace alone. We receive the word according to his boundless and reckless love. And we cry to him as beggars who have nothing but expect to gain all good things from his nail-pierced hands. God be praised for his love, which is patient and kind and has borne all things for our pardon and our salvation. In the name of Jesus. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let us pray for the whole church of God in Christ Jesus and for all people according to their needs. O Lord our God, you have opened the eyes of the blind to see and the ears of the deaf to hear. 
As we prepare to enter the season of Lent, open our eyes and ears anew through the preaching of your law and gospel to see and hear your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, in your mercy, preserve your church and her ministers. Give to all pastors courage to embrace gladly the crosses of their office, that following their example, all Christians may also bear the reproach of the world, the attacks of Satan, and the temptations of the flesh in the confidence of Christ's redemption. Lord, in your mercy, preserve the family and all godly Christian homes. Give parents diligence and persistence in their duties to teach the faith in word and example. Keep all children in the promise you have made to them in their baptism. Let the patience, kindness, and endurance of Christian love have no end among us. Lord, in your mercy, preserve the state and its servants. To all whom you have given authority, bestow also the wisdom needed to use it dutifully for the benefit of those under that authority. Turn us from every evil in judgment, law, or action, and renew in us and our fellow citizens discernment and selflessness. Lord, in your mercy, preserve us and all who call on you in any need, especially Bob Rash, Ron Gibson, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our preserve and comfort those who mourn the death of loved ones, especially those mourning the death of Jean Tate, Judy Carpenter, and Bernice White. Grant peace and consolation through the resurrection of Christ, who has overcome sin and death and given eternal life to Jean, Judy, Bernice, and all who call on him in faith. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our preserve your holy communion and your son's blessed supper among us. Give contrition and faith to those who gather at this altar. Unite them in their confession of your truth, and so bring them worthily to eat and to drink Christ's body and blood for their forgiveness and life. Lord, in your mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, what you foretold through the holy prophets has been fulfilled and accomplished in the suffering, death, and resurrection of your Son. You have set forth his passion and resurrection as the firm foundation and context for our faith. Have mercy on us and open our eyes to be fixed on the Son of David at all times. Give us courage to follow him through all adversity and every assault of the devil, to view his passion with repentant hearts and with delight, for by it you have redeemed us from all sin and evil. Comfort us with the certainty of Christ's resurrection, by which we too have the confidence of eternal life. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Good morning and welcome on this uh, Quintuagesima Sunday. We do have uh, quite a handful of announcements here, so we'll get right to that. Of course, Sunday school and Bible study immediately following worship this day. And uh, Tuesday of this week, we continue our Lutheran Confessions reading group at 9 a.m. And then 7 p.m., we'll bring new member class. This coming Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, so we will begin our journey in Lent in earnest on that day with midweek school and confirmation at 3.30, followed by a Lenten meal at 5 and 5.45. We'll have our Ash Wednesday divine service, and that is divine service with communion. Uh, As part of our uh, journey through Lent this year, uh, we do have uh, devotion books that have been ordered and are available to here. I uh, do ask that you pick up one per household. If we happen to have some extras, then feel free to help yourself to those, but you'll find them located on the table as you exit here or on the glass case as you walk down to the education wing. Uh, they'll say the salutary gift on them, and they'll have a, a purple cover. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, following uh, the uh, divine service on Wednesday, we'll have workout class, and then also, or no, not this week uh, there will not be choir following um, the service just because of the uh, the length. Uh, Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday, we'll have um, the funeral service uh, for Bernice White. Uh, details are yet to emerge as to what particular time exactly we'll have that, but all that information will be shared uh, on the Facebook page. We'll ask that to be passed around among the members. And then also the uh, graveside service for Jean Tate uh, will be this Friday. That'll be at, uh, it's Fairhaven, yes? Okay, forgive me, it's my first uh, uh, funeral there, so... Um, but his service will be at uh, 2.30 in the afternoon uh, at Fairhaven uh, here in town. Uh, please note, as you already saw there, our Lenten schedule. Uh, we have decided to go with what we did for Advent, so we'll have that meal following uh, confirmation class and midweek school followed by worship. Um, there is a sign-up sheet available both back there uh, in, the, in the vestibule and also um, over here on the glass case if you are interested in helping with the Lenten meals. So please see that. Uh, the menu is listed there in your bulletin. Um, and then uh, also a note just regarding that Saturday school class. Uh, that will be moved likely to either the last Saturday of March or the first Saturday in April. Um, uh, just to uh, accommodate that there. I don't believe I've missed anything. If I have any, anything I may have missed. A good number of announcements this day. Um, well, God's peace be with you as you go into the week, knowing that uh, by his Holy Spirit, Jesus has given you spiritual sight, that is, faith in him, whereby we receive all the gifts of his cross and resurrection. And, uh, and now, of course, we remember those gifts as we begin our journey into Lent. God's blessings to you this day. I'll greet you at the door.